Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we are hosts. This week we watched Jackie, released in 2016 and directed by Pablo Lorraine. The plot goes something like this. Jackie Kennedy memorializes her husband, John F. Kennedy, following his assassination. So yeah, we watched that. <laughs> we did. Uh, probably like, it's an Oscar favorite and we saw the trailers a few months ago and went, oh. <laughs> and then we watched it anyway. <laughs> Um, it wasn't actually I think the trailer was worse than the movie the trailer yeah. did not give a good sense of what this movie was about at all to me mm. um, it seemed like it was more of a like general kind of Jackie Kennedy um, mm. documentary but it's it's actually very focused on just after um, John F. Kennedy's assassination mm-hmm. um, which is much more interesting um, I yes. think like it's uh, I like that it was focused like that um, I don't think the trailer did it justice, but at the same time, like you say, you said Oscar favorite. I have one Oscar favorite at this point, and that's it. Everything has to be like at the level of Moonlight, or it's out. <laughs> so yeah, um, and I think the thing about it is, it just seems so acted. Like, it does. I know we just looked at video of the real Jacqueline Kennedy doing her White House tour, which is one of the flashbacks in the film, and the real Jacqueline Kennedy sounded even more ridiculous than Natalie Portman does trying well, to talk I don't know like about her. ridiculous but definitely very mannered yeah and so it, it um it, it's kind of it's hard because she really was that person but at the same time it, it it's kind of hard to connect with her as a person as a character because she is so mannered um there's some moments of real personality and I got the idea that I like this more than you um, from real sort of Look, fierceness. The the thing that I didn't like about the movie primarily for this one was the soundtrack. Um, I found the soundtrack so heavy and overwhelming. It was like, you know, it was like Interstellar via Philip Glass. Like it's so loud and it's – but it's constantly just the same thing over and over and over again. And I got really frustrated yeah. with it. Um, and I think that was kind of sapping all of my – goodwill towards the movie i actually thought um there were lots of good things in this movie it wasn't my favorite it felt a little exploitative to me there was this bit where she was changing into all of her different dresses mm-hmm. while wandering the white house alone and drinking, and I was, and drinking in the morning yeah, yeah and i was like this is uh, this seems really odd that this was... seems really odd and really like kind of a nasty thing to show about this woman that they're trying to portray and there were some other bits that I thought were really odd choices like actually you know through the whole movie I didn't think we were going to actually see the assassination then at the end of it we see his like his head exploding like it is really full-on and gory Mm. and I was like why why do we need this in this movie that's not what this movie is about well I actually think that was necessary because that's part of her trauma right and the movie's about her trauma trauma without showing like it in that much detail Maybe. It's also – the thing about the Kennedy assassination is, firstly, that it was caught on film and, secondly, like the famous things about it are the gory things, like mm. her staying in the bloody suit. All those photos of the new president being sworn in and her in the bloody suit, getting off the plane, still in the bloody suit. But and, that's and a lot more emotionally effective, I think. And her – and the other bit that was caught on film is her climbing over the back of the car trying to ke- – collect the president's brains off the back of the car. Mm. That's actually what's famous about it. So you kind of have to see the president's brains blown out. And it's awful, but, but you have to. I don't know. I don't, I'm not convinced by that. Because the way that she – when she describes it, it's more emotionally effective. And seeing her in the suit is every, and everything is more emotionally effective. And you already had all of that. So to actually see the, the, the thing after all of that has happened. Like if it had happened when she was describing it, maybe I would understand it better. But I didn't really – 
like the way that it did it you just thought that you weren't going to see it by that point and it was kind of weird as well because she's she's talking to the journalist and the journalist is like and, and she's so self-aware and she's like i know what you want you want a minute by minute description what did the bullet sound like and then another example of of them uh confusing sound editing with volume editing mm-hmm. they you know, there's a really loud gunshot but then what we see is a few seconds after by the time the yeah. secret service agents actually jumped on the car himself so not it's not the famous film of it it's like the film itself is struggling because this event is so photographed, it's so gone over mm. in, by so many different It's already people. so well documented. Right. It, it's Yeah, like it's, what is it, 53 years ago, 54 years ago. And there are so many angles, there are so many movies, there are so many things about it that they're trying to keep certain things in there. But there's also like famous things that they don't show, like they don't show little John saluting the coffin, for example, which is probably the most, one of the most famous. Um, well, yeah, but the kids it, are not characters images in this movie. It's, from the whole thing. <laughs> It's kind of like – Yeah, but that was choreographed by Jackie as well. Mm. So, which is why it would have been interesting to because she coached him to do that. But it is uh, – it, it's really fascinating watching this incredibly media-savvy woman plan this whole thing with an eye to history and all that kind of stuff. Um, but at the same time, the film has – is in and of itself caught up in the whole analysing the optics of the situation mm. more than it is actually kind of – interested in in telling her story and it's i don't know at the start it's really good like this early stuff where she's where it's first happened and she's really in shock and the whole thing i think is shot with like in close-up mm. almost and they're all those people around her and she's not really following everything and she's in she's she seems shell-shocked but it it, it doesn't it's, it finds it hard to connect with her as a person rather than as a like a, a idol a, yeah a figure. yeah i i agree with you on that i think one of the problems with it is that like time shift narrative thing where it jumps it jumps back to an interview that she did giving a tour of the White House to give you a sense of how important the White House is to her. But it tends to sap a lot of the intensity of the moment. I think some of the best scenes in the movie are actually when she's interacting with Bobby as played by Peter Sarsgaard. They had a really good chemistry and those scenes where they were together worked really, really well mm. and gave more insight into both of them, I think. Whenever... Natalie Portman's sort of given an opportunity to like bounce off someone who's doing a good job when she's playing Jackie. Those mm. are kind of the best bits. Yeah. Um, like, and that's why the interview is so yeah. works so well with Billy Crudup because mm-hmm. it's like that's really effective. She's kind of bouncing off him and she's kind of giving it more. But when she's by herself, I don't think it's as good. Mm. And it's really kind of, it gets really kind of maudlin and bogged down in that sort of idea. Um, it kind of reminded me a bit of the Buffy episode, The Body in terms of like how it's trying to show grief and what happens just after a shocking traumatic event. But I I think the body was better, but I'm biased. Right. Um, yeah, I didn't think of the body when I thought of that, but I did find it a very effective way of showing that kind of trauma of sudden grief. There were certain things that I really liked about it, but like – and then that soundtrack comes in and it's over and over again and I just kind of went, and it's, it's oh, can we just stop and yeah, like it's really pull loud. it out for a bit? Because I think they were actually it's, trying to do something interesting with the soundtrack – like the way the the way that first sort of minor chord what's like you know when a chord diminishes mm. note and that is an interesting thing they're trying to do with the soundtrack of like you know this tink, tinkly piano with this big score and then this kind of everything goes wrong well it's but discordant it was, yeah but it was so loud and it was yeah. so, so repetitive yeah it just it was like by the time the movie finished I was like can we be done 
can we please be done? Because it was just so, and it, it's the first thing you hear as well. They clearly, like the soundtrack is almost the star of the movie more than Natalie Portman is mm. because it's blank. Like the screen is black and you hear that soundtrack first. I remember noticing this because we waited such a long time for this movie to get started. Um, yeah. We had- like such a long time. We had endless ads. We had like three trailers with more ads in the middle. And then there were six production companies. Yeah. Like, and, and then they there all were all the production title companies card, again. And then they have, they all have this company and this company and this company presents a this company production by yeah. this people. And it, it was six. really, yeah, really long. And then you have, a, I'd say a full like 20 seconds of black screen and the soundtrack. With that discordant soundtrack. Yeah. So by the time the movie started, I was already like, okay, this is what we're going to be listening to. Mm. And then we didn't stop listening to it for the whole time. And then by the time the credits were up, I was like, do we have to sit here? through?" Because we always sit through the credits, but I was like, I don't know if I can stand sitting through the credits with the soundtrack anymore because I just was so over it. Um, I it was sort found of, it. It, it also intruded on people talking yeah. and other things. Like the, when they um, – when they have John's birthday and they sing happy birthday, even it intrudes on that. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, it's sort of like that. I think that was trying to represent that ever present grief and that sort of stuff, but which I understand mm. what they were doing. I just found it really hard to concentrate on the movie when it was so distracting. Yeah. And it kind of does a disservice to some of Natalie Portman's acting moments as well, because this yeah. score kind of takes away from it. Mm-hmm. There was a scene with um, the guy from Doogie Howser. Um, who played the security guy for Lyndon Johnson? I think. Yeah, Max Casella. Max um, Casella. He, that's his name. Uh, uh, he was playing a character who, uh, someone, it was an Italian last name, Valenti, Mr. Valenti. I think she kept calling him. Yep. yep. So, um, yeah, and and uh, there's the score comes in right at the end of it, really mm. loud over the top of her leaving, and I was like, why? Why at this moment do you want to do that? That was an interesting scene. That was that was actually like the characterization of her. You know, you're trying to marry this grieving thing with the media savvy thing, and and her intelligence and her kind of um, fierceness. Well, there's, she's fierce, but she's also fierce. Like she, she's very obsessive about mm. things, and and you know all of these things that are both flaws and strengths in this one scene. It's really interesting. Yeah. Why there's, would you ruin that by yeah. having that over the end of the scene? Yeah, because there's really – something this does really well is that, like, nobody knows what to do with her. Yeah. Um, where they want to be kind because she's a grieving widow but also they've got a country to run. They need to move on. Yeah. And it's kind of – um, the, and that scene with him is quite, quite good because she generally has dealt with Bobby. Like, it, it's sort of like she has Bobby run intermediary for her with the Kennedys – with the staff, with almost everyone except Nancy. And so for her to actually deal with another other than, oh, wait, and, and also Richard E. Grant as the whatever he is, the librarian, I guess. I guess he's, but he's the, the, um, the, isn't he the, what do they call it? The curator. Right, of the White House, right? Yeah, or um, something like that. Yeah, well, librarian, archivist, whatever. She, she does deal with him directly, but like her, her main dealings are through Bobby with everyone. So the bit with Max Casella is kind of. It's a turning point for her. She learns. Mm. She learns to to make the decisions and be out there herself. Yeah, um, I did. Also, I, I mean, I mentioned this earlier. I don't like how little the kids were featured in this movie. They are two people, two children who lost their parents, and like really, she really barely young. sees them. And you, yeah, we barely see them. We don't get any sense of them as as actual characters. I mean, I know movies don't ever know what to do with kids, mm. but like we you know, this is an important part of the story, surely. And surely it's an important part of her story. And yet they're nowhere to be seen for most of the movie, including when she's giving that interview. Like they're just not part yeah, of her life, it like, seems like. Uh, and not even, part of her decisions. Even an upper class woman like her in that time, 
they're tiny. He's just turned three. Caroline's like four or five. They're tiny, tiny children. And she's also a woman and they make a big thing of this. She's lost two babies. Um, one of them like less than a year before all this happened. They seem to get more attention than the real kid than the yeah. real the um, living kids do. Yeah. And the kids were like I was talking about before about her choreographing John to salute the the coffin. Like the kids were part of this too. And that I believe um that they were sort of allowed a little bit of you know, as much input as their sort of age would allow, as mm. you would do if you if a kid's parent died, no matter what age they were, if they have, were able to, to contribute. And I think it's another sort of way of distance, distancing her mm. by not – it's it's also it's a, one of those things where they can't reconcile women as who are mothers as full humans. Like they have real trouble making these full rounded humans out Well, of I feel mothers. like that's less of – Women are more of like kids. They have trouble making right, rounded do, that's true. kids into people because, you know, uh, filmmakers a lot of the time are like, oh, kids are too hard, we'll just not do it. And I think that little girl playing Caroline could have handled it too. She did a she really good. good job in that one, in just the one scene that she got to do. Mm. So, like, having a little bit more of them would have been nice. It was, I was frustrated because I kept thinking about, you know, where are the kids right now? Mm. She's going through all this, where are the children? How? What do the children know? Like, yeah. Even when she's telling them what has happened, there's no time for the children's grief at all. You never see anything of the children like mm. processing any of it or having any feelings about what's happened to them. No um, it's almost like their lives just go on completely the same, you know. It's really odd. Mm. Um, and yeah. it was a frustrating choice actually, for me. Actually, the scene with Caroline finding out when she asked she'll see the body, that actually made me tear up a little bit. Not, not entirely because of what the movie was doing, but because I thought of Caroline Kennedy and like she's the last person surviving in her family and she has been for so long now. Is she? Yeah. What happened to the other kid? He died. Do you remember? Plane crash? 1999? He was flying his own plane and it, came, it went down outside Hyannisport and he died, his wife died and his wife's sister died. That's sad. Yeah. that's It's really sad. Caroline Kennedy for like 20 years has been um, the only one of her family left and like I, I always really feel for her. She's the mm. only one left guarding the legacy. Like I was talking to you in the car, and we'll get to this later because you'll probably want to talk about it about the dress, which is preserved in the National Archives, but there's an agreement not to let it out. Like it's not not to be seen in public for like another hundred years. The dress that she was wearing, the, dress, the suit JFK that she's wearing with the blood on it. Um, and it's Caroline Kennedy who's the who's sort of in charge of that. She set that rule about when it can be. You know, displayed mm. in public and all that. I don't know. The whole idea of being the only one left in your immediate family makes me really sad. Yeah, I was thinking a lot about um, Donald Trump in this when I was watching this movie as well. And like, well, we saw the yeah the inauguration yesterday and the similarities between the families and the differences there. And like all of her talk about how he was the president and he should be honoured and how we feel about the president now and whether or not we should yeah do all, all of that. I, sort of thing. I was actually thinking about the Obamas much more than I was thinking about President Face. Um, I don't want to talk about him, but I was actually thinking more about the Obamas because they have a lot more in common with the Kennedys, um, being like young and hip and the, the arts thing that they took. She talks about how mm. she's a, um, a patron of the arts. That's something the Obamas have really gotten into. The Obamas are also very much associated with a musical mm-hmm. with Hamilton. Yeah. And, but we were watching this movie and I was like, Oh, I know who that is and what that is because I've watched Hamilton. Well, and that's so it. She also drives past like a shop at the end where she sees the dresses that are like her dresses being put into the stores and it's called Hamilton's mm. or something. Yeah, no, so I thought a lot more about the Obamas. See, the Obamas are, are like obviously wonderful and but they're going to be remembered as wonderful because they did all these little things while they were there. They were the first first family to kind of – first first family to really harness social media. Mm. Like all those – no one's ever going to forget that photo of – 
Obama letting the the little boy touch his hair or the one of him with Spider-Man. Yeah, but the thing about that is, like, look at the legacy they've now got with Trump being very into social media in not the best of ways. Exactly. So by contrast with who's coming after the Obamas, the Obamas look amazing. Oh, yeah. Like so much class and dignity, but also the whole, like, celebrities wanted to be around them, which was part of the Kennedy thing. Like there's someone credited for playing Peter Lawford in this who was married to one of the, another one of the Kennedy sisters. And he was like, he was part of the Rat Pack, you know, like mm-hmm. celebrity of his day. Rat like, Pack, I know. <laughs> and uh, well, like obviously John F. Kennedy was one in the very long line of white men in the White House. He was also young and Catholic. Yeah, uh, yeah and, I, I do know a little bit about um, John F. Kennedy. And like, so... Not a huge amount, but I, I knew that Bobby Kennedy had been assassinated because I watched that yeah. movie. Um, and I, I do know a little bit about John F. Kennedy and, and the Camelot kind of legacy and, yeah. and so, how young and hip and, and, so, and attractive. And So I don't think the Obamas are as con- image conscious as Jackie Kennedy was. She was clearly, and from this movie, like she was incredibly conscious about optics and all that. The Obamas, but I think the world is more image conscious yeah. now. So like in terms of like – they're not as image conscious. I think they might be, but I think that's part of a shifting world where cameras are on are. them all the time, right? Yeah. Whereas, like, um, in this movie, there's definitely a conflict between – there seems to be a conflict between John, who wants to be more traditional, and Jackie, who is more kind of savvy and less traditional and more understanding of, like, the their image mm. as a as I, It was a interesting family. that she compared herself to Mary Todd Lincoln, who I just recently listened to a podcast about her. And because Mary Todd Lincoln also got in a whole heap of trouble for spending so much money decorating the White House. And she ended up in like serious financial straits afterwards, which they reference in this movie. And I think, I don't know exactly what happened to Jackie, but she ended up married to like one of the wealthiest men in the world. So presumably she was out for some security there as well in her in her life. So she that wouldn't happen to her. But I think, um, but Mary Todd Lincoln was kind of the first first lady to really think of first lady as a to define first lady as a role and to make the white house a sort of social center and a show home mm-hmm. you know it's on display you come to visit the president's house and it's part of the the facade is the rooms you go to and the history of the place and all that kind of stuff yeah and there's definitely you get the sense of um of Jackie Kennedy as a kind of a historian of her in her own right like she wants that history to be part of it and a kind of a living history as well which mm. is an idea that I'm pretty sure was fairly novel for the people around her based on the interviews and and that little well, clip of the video the, that we saw you know the resolute desk in the nope. oval office the, you know do you is know that the one that's in national treasure where they find the clues to go to I, I can't I can't remember national treasure very well but the, there's a really famous picture of little John Kennedy playing in his father's desk Mm. Um, but it's also it's the desk that Obama's using now and people are like, when Trump redoes the Oval Office, is he going to use the Resolute desk? Anyway, it was given to America by Queen Victoria like 150 years ago. But Kennedy was the first president to put it yeah, in the it, Oval. Yeah, that is the desk. That's definitely the desk yeah. that was in National Treasure because I remember yeah. Queen Victoria so, gave it to them and then there's another desk and they have to go find the clues. I am such an expert on history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Kennedy put it in there um, and like presidents have had it in the Oval or not. But, but for about the last 20 or 25 years, they've had it. It's been in the Oval Office as the desk. But that that's something that Jackie Kennedy did. She yeah. found the desk and she was like, this is all his history. Why not put it in here? Oh, and the Gettysburg Address sitting in the Lincoln Room as well. I'm like, mm. that's not the case anymore, right? Surely. I haven't been in the Lincoln um, Bedroom, so I can't I, tell you. I have, I have a feeling it's not there. I think I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, but they, they wouldn't do a lot of that sort of stuff now. That didn't now. seem right to me either. I actually read an article not that long ago about – 
that was like photos of the Lincoln bedroom, like from about the Eisenhower era forwards. Mm. I'd come remember if it was a Lincoln bedroom or the president's bedroom, but there was like photos of of how all the changes that they all made through the years. It was kind of cool to watch. Yeah. I just like all the scenes of Jackie wandering the White House alone seemed really fake to me. Because I'm like – That montage was – what? No, but it's not just that. Like that she's often – she sits at the desk as well. Mm. And I'm like, from my knowledge of the White House, there's always people there, right? Well, there is a spot and it, it is like she sits at her desk, uh, sits at her whatever, her dressing table and it seems to be 2.30 in the morning. But there is one scene of two men yeah, standing. Yeah, the, the, they're the security. I'm pretty sure there's people working in the White House. Which is the in clock, the residence just, though. But she sits at the his uh, desk. So, no, I think she sits at his desk in the residence. Oh, okay. I don't think that's the desk in the Oval. Although there's this whole bit about how they won't – let Johnson into the Oval to like, but I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's interesting true. to watch because traditionally the like the last president go moves into the Oval Office and then like renovates it later. He just moves straight in. Like mm-hmm. there's no, they don't really don't make much change between when one guy leaves and the other one comes in. But um, I didn't. I don't know if that's true or not. I thought it was interesting to watch Bobby kind of pulling the strings. Well, mm. um, that was like. One of the most interesting parts of the movie that doesn't get any time. Well, but Bo- Yeah, was- Bobby's fascinating because Bobby's the reason we have these anti-nepotism laws that Trump is now breaking. It, yeah, we but have like, a lot and, more and, problems going on now than, than – Yeah, and and like all you know, Bobby Kennedy ever did was cause trouble during the Cuban Missile Crisis, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's I think it's a, it's a very sympathetic view of him here. But I thought Peter Sarsgaard was really good actually. Mm. Peter Sarsgaard's well, been a bit – uh, he's been a bit hit and miss lately, I think, but he mm. was good in this. Um, he, he's clearly really good with Natalie Portman. That combination mm. um, was a really interesting one. You kind of, as soon as he walks into that plane, you just, there's this kind of like calming sense over the whole film. Mm. Like he he's clearly somebody that she trusts, whereas up until that point there was nobody. And it's really interesting. They definitely have this chemistry that kind of, that you read off the film, right? Mm. Like it's very real. And also her and Greta Gerwig were good together too. Yeah. Um, I, I like that the film passes the Bachelor test. That was really cool. Yeah. And that, that her relationships with women are kind of like, they give time to that, even though mm. um, clearly she was surrounded by men in this time in the White House and everything, they they try and, yeah. like, they actually make time for her relationships with women in the movie. Yeah. Um, um, and that's good. Yes, I think so too. And Because uh, I didn't actually know about um, about Nancy, her her social secretary, who she'd, like, gone to school with, been friends with forever, um, who's still alive, by the way. Um, I just went, oh, it's, like, basically her entourage. Well, I just like – I was like, oh, friend that's – friend that she brought with her. Yeah. Well, at first I thought it was the chief of staff, but then it was obvious that they were much closer than that. But – yeah, no, um, the bit on the plane, the plane is actually really interesting and I was telling you before that I read a really long piece of journalism a couple of years back about like a really detailed minute-by-minute account of what happened on the plane because it was an absolute disaster. Like even down to like when Johnson would be sworn in and getting the judge there because um, you, you noticed that it's a female judge who swore him in, which is true, which is what happened because she was like the only judge available in Texas, in Dallas at that time that – was like had a Bible on her and could do the oath. But the whole thing was like a total mess, which they don't really get into because it's more about Jackie and Jackie like washing the blood off her face and all that kind of stuff. But the whole flight, nobody knew what to do. There's no there's no precedent, right? Mm. That you don't assassinations don't happen very often. Nobody knows what to do with Jackie because they all serve the president. But like she's there. She was the first lady until a few minutes ago, you know. So um the whole the sense of her not really having any friends on that plane mm. and like Lady Bird Johnson coming up to her and saying, why don't you get changed, dear? And like that performance as well by Muffin Buffalo. 
just gonna Muffin have to look buffalo. up. She was in um she was in Wonderfuls and Pushing Daisies. Right. And I think one of the other Brian Fuller shows. She's a Brian Fuller Best and, brand. but she plays the same character in all of those shows. Mm. And the character makes muffins and has a company called Muffin Buffalo. Right. Um, which is why I'm calling her that. Any Brian yeah. Fuller fans are gonna know. But um she was so like jarring and really it was really good, I thought. Like every time she speaks, it's kind of jarring to hear her next to, to Jackie and she, they're mm. so kind of different. Yeah. Um, Although she's still got her own like southern bless her heartness about her. Yeah. Like she's got that that sort of southern passive aggressiveness, I think I guess you well, call she's it. Well she's not she's not. I mean she seems to be fairly like sympathetic and everything, but she's trying to like but it's also, insert herself into the situation but, as well when she's well, see, I she the the scene of the swearing in and mm. her smiles mm. during that was interesting because the president the new president himself is like really dead serious. But you can see her smiling. She's yeah. excited for him and she can't hide it, which I thought was a really good bit of acting, actually. Yeah. I she thought could, she was great in this. She I was really excited to see her in the first place, so I was paying a lot of attention to what she was doing. Yeah. I think the other thing is that Jackie um, Jackie was so young. She's my age. She was 34, which is also Natalie Portman's age. And, like, all of the people around her in the – all of the staff, even the, even the sort of Marines and Secret Service, anyone who can make a decision is so much – older than her as well as also kind of yeah and then she tries to connect with the younger security people around mm. her and they can't like mm. do anything you know they're, they're just there to protect mm. and they're not really able to connect um, no be- so and because the power is- differential between them is yeah. so great and that was all really interesting i agree that was really mm. and then like that kind of emotional connection happens with nancy later mm. um mm. but also it's almost entirely on bobby's shoulders yeah um so and and you definitely feel the connection like that that friendship they go mm. flashback to before and you can see the three of them together and the way yeah. that that dynamic works is really um interesting and and sweet and like yeah i i thought that was great yeah but yeah like in i said sort of present- this is a lot of the stuff we're talking about is so early in the film as well yes. like i feel like the last sort of half hour really kind kind of starts to drag and i think the worst thing to do is to the, the worst part of it when is when they start introducing the priest and then we have to have the flashes to the priest as well as all the other things. For one thing, I had no idea when that was happening. Mm. Um, it's not until the end of the movie that we figure out when that's happening. And yep. that is distracting as hell. But also, like, it's so contrary to the rest of the movie because it's so, like, it's constantly talking about how uh, it, the movie is showing how people are feeling rather than telling us. Yeah. That priest stuff is just telling us. Mm-hmm. And it's so, like, existentialist and essentialist and very, like, in your face. Yes. And um, and I like John Hurt and everything, but, like... He felt out of place yeah, in that role. Yeah, feels very out of place. But not just in that role. In his, his scenes feel so out of place in the movie. It's basically just giving us an excuse for Natalie Portman to tell us directly what's going on instead of us having to figure it out. And that was frustrating. And yeah. it feels wrong and out of place and it always like so, pulls so much attention mm, from the real events because so much and of it the feels movie like was it about, didn't really happen yeah and so much of the movie was about having to work it out for yourself as well that was part of the appeal um, and he doesn't come in till halfway through yeah. so we are having to figure it out for ourselves and until that point it does feel long at the end this movie was about bang on 90 minutes which is really yeah but god i felt that, like it was i looked longer. at my watch like a full 20 minutes before that and was like oh we must be getting close to the end and i looked at my watch and was like no, we've only been here an hour. <laughs> yeah, it felt longer than that. And mm. and I think that was – it doesn't have enough story to maintain the whole time. Mm. I think by a certain point you just kind of want the next thing to happen. 
Um, yeah, and, that- and we do. We have been talking almost exclusively about the first half of the movie. Mm. Um, we've been or talking the history, not actually the well. Yeah, but yeah. also like I think the only stuff from the end of the movie that we've talked about before we talked about the priest thing was um, the brains, <laughs> like seeing his head explode, and mm. the scene with Max Casella. Um, those are the only bits that are later in the movie that we've talked about because it does like continue the same format for nearly the whole, and it doesn't really like. I think it almost would have been better if there were no flashbacks at all or if all of the flashbacks had been in the same style that was like that news footage style or something mm. like that. And so that we we had to be in the time with Jackie might have worked better. Yeah, because the news footage stuff I think works really well. They use like real footage or recreated real footage and um, it actually it works in really well, particularly with the main theme of the film being – the split between Jackie the person, Jackie the public figure mm. kind of thing, which is actually interesting. It's just made me think of The Crown, which is like what that that's about, except all they do is tell you about it rather than showing you. And this does this it does it much more effectively. But that but it work, does until a certain point yeah. and then it just tells you and then I got annoyed. Yeah, and the part of the reason the priest feels so tacked on is that you don't get a sense of her as a woman of faith. Like there's nothing before that point that well, tells you. Well, there is you, a qu- Billy Crudup uh, question. Her, yeah. And she's like, I don't want to talk about that. It's private. And that's fair enough. But, like, you don't... I knew that was foreshadowing when it happened. I just didn't realise it would be foreshadowing to a full, like, 20 minutes of the movie where we had to sit through John Hurt. Like, it, it, it made me think of the priest scenes in Daredevil, except that the priest in Daredevil is, like, more interesting. Yeah, and it only needed one scene. Yeah. Like, if you could have done the priest thing, because I think the Catholic thing is obviously important. Um, well, it's another time jump, though. Like, yeah. it's actually in the future from the, well, the interview. Fact that, yeah, the fact that they time jumped it is not, I don't think, the right choice. I know they wanted to make a point of the two dead babies being buried next to their dad. Sure, that's fine. But even that felt that felt the most exploitative Well, it was me. the most manipulative. Yeah, like, it could have been done in one scene, the priest stuff. Mm. Like, he didn't. we didn't need to – because we went to him, like, three or four times and it would have made more sense to have, more. to have, like, one conversation – and one parable and, you know. Yeah, and but then he the, the bit that he says in his very last thing where he's like, there's no meaning to life. And I'm like, that's really what you want to include in this movie? Yeah. That was such a strange she, moment. There's also her talking about how she prays every night to die. and also, But I don't – I got no real sense of her inner life. Mm. Like, other, that, and I think maybe that montage was trying to show her having a bit of an inner life. But I didn't get a – proper sense of no, I, the see, inner I thought, life outside of this very immediate moment of grief. Up until that moment, what I was getting from her inner life was that her emotion and her like private breakdowns and things were totally – in her mind she had this just kind of like barrier between that mm. and how she presented to the world. So like one of the most effective scenes for that was when she was breaking down in the bathroom washing the blood off and then – Someone comes in and she's like, are they waiting for me? I'll be ready in a minute. Mm. And she has to kind of pull all that back and then you see that bit and she's really overwhelmed. You can tell by the camera work and stuff, but she, you know, holds it together for everybody. But then you see her start to break down a little bit in her public persona when she's asking everybody all these questions that they don't feel like answering and all that Mm. sort of stuff. That was much more effective. Um, But the sense that I got of her inner life was that kind of stuff and the the – you know, this, she's very obsessed with appearing to be intelligent. She's very obsessed with appearing to be different to what the public perception of her is. Um, and she's working very hard to do that sort of stuff. But like, that's all more in the implications. When they talk, when she talks about wanting to die, you're like, but I don't get a sense of that. I never saw a sense of that. No. I never saw 
Uh, oh, the, I the most to be Jackie in front of everybody the, was like, "What the hell?" Well, the, is that? Uh, yeah, well, but that was also almost like the most Jackie moment. Like, uh, was only crass people commit suicide? Oh yeah, like that was. That was I I love it when her real and personality awful. slips through. But oh, it's awful. But that's when the real stuff slips through is when she's at her most interesting. So those the two there's like two bits with the journalist where she she loses it and hmm. like either shouts at him or cries or something happens. I don't think in, she cries in the whole interview. No, she's very the, particular about that. No, the bit where she, she's the first time where she talks about after we come back from you want to know what the bullet sounded like. She's right. crying at that point. But she won't let him print it. You know, she's like iron control over that interview, iron control over what's public Jackie and what's private Jackie. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why the interview is so prominent and is so effective mm. is that kind of her kind of control and his trying to manipulate around that control mm. and – all that sort of stuff. I mean, it's it's one of the most interesting things. You know, her interactions with those people like him and, and Bobby and Nancy are more interesting than most of the rest of the movie. And I think that shows like there's there's definitely some, some things that the director is doing really well. But I think that the time jumps and a lot of the other stuff, we just needed one time jump, right? We needed her talking to the interviewer and the period of time when when JFK was assassinated. And I didn't even know that that was actually the period of time that the main part of the movie was focused on until about 15, 20 minutes in when he did die. And I was like, oh, that's where we are. Because <laughs> I didn't know about the plane or the outfit. You know, I'm hopeless. But then what about we also though, have the... the flashback to the interview, which yeah. I thought could have been just done in the news type stuff. Oh, the, or the flashback to the um the tour of the White House. Yes. Yeah. The, sorry, the tour of the White House. I thought it would have been better if it was all just in the like – the um stylistically like oh so it looks like it the, the tv yeah version yeah and then we would have had a very clear sense of what's happening at which time we wouldn't have been jumping around all the time and the focus would have been on that period of time after he died it, it was quite, and that was what we needed like yeah. that was the best part you know because the jump from the um the black and white white house tour footage into her in the bright red suit was i thought very jarring yeah exactly that is you, very jarring. It looks like you've gone back to another version of the present, you mm. know, or another another time in her in her. Tenure. And her hair's not different, and it is different in the real interview, like a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could have helped, I think, to differentiate that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would have also been nice to like just see that very kind of clearly which thing yeah. happens at which time, and I think they would have done that e- more easily by differentiating it by like having that as news footage like or as sorry video footage Mm. um and then yeah i don't think it was differentiated clearly enough because i thought the whole thing with the priest was on the day when they buried jfk yeah well you meant to right right up until the end but that twist doesn't function at all it doesn't work at all right it just i mean i think by that point you're like oh right this is how this it's just confusing and distracting to me because there's hints as well. Well, I, I actually that she's of, already given the interview and stuff like that by the yeah, time. Yeah, and happens. I think I was by the time that happened, I was like relieved that actually made sense. But it spends a lot of time not making sense first. Yeah, exactly. So, like, the, I mean, there were things like we've talked about. There were things I really liked about this movie mm. that I thought were good, but ultimately, I think it just kind of isn't. It's definitely not like powerful or memorable enough to really make a difference, and I don't think it'll make an impact in the awards. No, and it's also in the canon of JFK assassination movies. I mean, there's so many. There's so many other people, so many other movies and TV series and all that kind of stuff that have looked at this from so many angles. Yeah. But, I mean, how do you how do you stand out in that field? Why do you look at this again 
I mean, I guess it's just Natalie Portman's good performance. Well, really. it is Natalie Portman's. It's also it's one of those like baby boomer obsessions. Mm. Like they all remember where they were. When this, this one's happened. interesting though because it's so it's really uh, the, a lot of the names involved are foreign. It doesn't seem like it's from an American perspective. All no, that much. that's right because it seemed to have been filmed in France and the director's Chilean. Um, even the guy playing um, John F. Kennedy is da- Danish. Is he? Yeah. I was thinking because I'm like that guy's not famous because he looks way too much no, like John he, F. Kennedy to be so famous. He's so much like him. Yeah, he's so much. Like I, him. I was like, is he a JFK impersonator or something? Like, right. I I thought they had gone out and scoured the world for somebody who looked just like JFK yeah. rather than because he doesn't have to do much. To no, be fair. no. So I thought I was like that guy is just he's just there to look like him because he looks so much like him. Mm-hmm. Like even in my limited knowledge, I was like, yeah. wow, that guy looks like JFK, mm-hmm. which is moderately effective, I suppose. But you don't – she. I think that's another – she talks a lot about the connection between her and, and Jack, mm. um, but you don't feel it because we don't know him. No, I don't – that was actually one of my problems. I didn't even think to bring it up until now, is that she's so obsessed with securing his legacy, but I don't see – any of what they had together we get like a few seconds of them together in the plane getting ready to get go down the stairs and even when they go down the stairs and this is something that's in my mind because of there's footage the other day of Donald and Melania Trump getting out of their plane and he tries to take her hand and she won't take it and she walks and they just walk down the stairs together um but Donald Trump's entire sorry this is a, a um uh, tangent but Donald Trump's entire sort of campaign and presidency is full of so many awkward unpleasant moments like that that just it's it's almost painful like you don't want to watch him ever yeah because he's so it's so uncomfortable not just because of the terrible terrible things he's about to say but also because it's full of those kinds of awkward weird moments where you're like what is happening here right and and so i was thinking of that because when they get off the plane she actually walks down the stairs ahead of him there's no holding hands or walking together like she goes like and I'm, i'm you know i'm guessing the plane stairs were narrow or whatever but she walks down in front of him. She just goes. There's nothing. Even even that moment is like, you're ready? Let's go. There's n- nothing. They don't flash back to the two of them. Like there's the, he, I think there's him coming into the end of her tour of the White House. But there's nothing of their marriage. And it's then like two then seconds of them dancing together. Talk, and even yeah. then it's mostly focused on Bobby. But that only comes back to the end. At the end, yeah, it is. It almost seems like she and Bobby were the ones who actually were attracted to one another. At one point, I don't know. I didn't feel like there was an attraction, but definitely like he's very much like comforting and, yeah, and a friend but, and a th- real. But also that scene where they're dancing together comes really late in the film. Yeah, it's the very last shot. I'm pretty sure. Um, but they come back to it twice. Um, oh, they they come back to it. She talks to the. It is the last shot though, because they talk. They, yeah, yeah, they yeah, play but, the song. They come the back. Camelot yeah, song. they come back to it as well. Um, but she also says something to the priest, to, like where she touches on his infidelity and all that, and to the journalist too. I think. That scene, I hated the way that scene where she talks to the priest was um, about the infidelity was shot because they're so close together. It looks like she's going to kiss him. Yeah. That was bizarre. There's, there's several scenes like that where she's too close to someone with Bobby, with Nancy, and with the priest. With Nancy, it made sense, though. That was an emotional intimacy that they were showing through visual means, right? Like she's breaking down completely at that point. She's having um, a very emotional reaction to what's going on, and for Nancy to be so close to her makes perfect sense. Right? That's, that's the, the emotion of that moment. The emotion of the moment where she's talking to the priest is she's talking to him about a JFK's infidelity. Mm. And it looks like she's going to kiss the priest. That doesn't work. And that's weird. <laughs> that but, is weird. But, and, and talking to Bobby as well. It's, it's like, you know, putting people's faces closer together in movies is a, 
So, and as, as much as it does a disservice to her as a mother, it also does a disservice to her as a wife because everybody knows that John F. Kennedy was a dog, right? That's one of the known things. So, what, you know, you That's need to sh- one of the things I knew because Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, actually, I know a, much more oh, about Marilyn Monroe than anything in where politics. Where she starts singing Happy Birthday, that's got to be a throw, like a sort of sideways reference to that, right? Like she's singing, well, she's singing it to, to her, her kid, son. Though. I know, but the way she's like starts out, it's, I don't know, the, it, it was just, it made me think of that. Um, but that, like everybody knows that about him. So in a movie about his wife that focuses on his wife, you've got to f- kind of focus on what keeps her there. Mm. What makes her work so hard to secure his legacy. And that's all told, not shown. Yeah. And even it's not even told very well. Why Why does she work so hard to secure his legacy? The family, other than Actually, Bobby, don't even like her very much. That Even that was most effectively told in that interview when she just talks about when he died. But mm. other little things like her reactions in the interview tell us more about that whole relationship than anything we see in the movie. But yeah. without the direct words. Yeah, I think um, it's just because it, it means that she has no character motivation. Like, what, you know, she wants to secure his legacy. She wants to put the, her best, like, image forward. Well, this movie, Why? no, this movie makes it all about her, though. I mean, yeah, but she. She wants to do that for her, not yeah, for him. It, I mean, it is for her, but I mean, I don't know. It's if, all about, like. If she wasn't tied up in being married to him and being the first lady though but that's the thing is that it's all tied up in her but then she says things like oh i never wanted to be famous i just married a kennedy and things like that where you're like this is contradictory to what we know i would have married some ugly poor man and we're like no you didn't twice you didn't do that well that also but that was more of a like um a i'm and i'm grieving so i'm thinking of silly preposterous things uh, yeah, could yeah. possibly happen. Well, I, I could have been um, a stenographer, like a rich girl who grew up in the northeast and went to Vassar. I don't think so. Right, exactly. Like that's that's the very oh, – that just made me think of Mona Lisa smile actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, it that's the very like – there's a contradictory kind of view of Jackie Kennedy that this movie is presenting to us, right? Yeah. There is. Like she's saying, I didn't want to be famous – but when she is famous, she definitely wants to hold on to that and keep that and and secure the legacy. Secure of that. the legacy, and then she says, "I value my privacy a lot." But then she, well, they talk about her putting her kids on display and all these little kind of mm. contradictions in the character, which could make her more interesting if they were trying to explore them more. I think, mm. like what, why she's contradictory, and I think that one scene where she's in all the ball gowns is trying to do that, but it makes a real meal of it. Like it just doesn't. It's a mess. And it's a I, like, mess. That's maybe funny. if you're like a diehard Jackie fan, you'll recognize those dresses and connect them to whatever occasion she wore them on. But most of us aren't. Like most of us don't, you know, know all that level of detail. And a person watching the movie is probably not going to remember it. So it's not effective. Yeah. Um, it, it also, things like the – in that scene is where she first puts on that red dress and, and the necklace. And it's not until like – half an hour 40 minutes later that we see them dance together in the red dress and the necklace and then it finishes the movie like you needed to have that before we had the scene of her dressing up in it because they it do doesn't make sense a lot a lot of this movie is like references to things that we're not going to know till later that mm. just seem out of place and awkward and it, at the beginning you're kind of like oh it's kind of like her fragmented state of mind in this grief but then later on you're like oh no you meant that to men- mean something yeah. but it didn't mean anything to no. us. No. I, I don't know what Pablo Lorraine has done but it feels very much like a movie that's kind of early in someone's career. 
Um, also, it's it's that kind of stylistic thing that is very popular right now that I'm not a huge fan of. Instagram. <laughs> Instagram with, with overwhelming soundtrack, like Arrival. <laughs> yeah, right. And Interstellar. And all those things where I'm like, okay, I get it. Like there's there's all these like lens flares. There's sun creates lens flares. There's so much magic hour going on in this movie, like magic hour, you know, shots. Um, there's one of Jackie and Bobby on the balcony that's literally a sunset in the background that's just gorgeous. Oh, and you're the like, wow. Giant lens flare with the priest. It's just ridiculous. Oh, yeah, that stuff. That especially. like, so, And the floaty camera. Pablo Lorraine. If you look at his IMDb, it doesn't look. This does look like he's early. It's early in his career. Like he's forty, but he's not like for directors that he's kind of just getting yeah. going. But his bio, I this must have been written by Pablo Lorraine because it's wonderful. Born in Santiago in nineteen seventy six, Pablo Lorraine is along with Sebastian Lelio, Chile's greatest movie director, as well as a major producer through his fabulous company. Not for the weak-hearted, his films are straightforward, generally aggressive, and interspersed with violence. Okay. So, well, okay, that but that makes sense with that sh- that scene of JFK dying, though. Yes, because if he's known for making violent movies in the past, then that's why that's yeah. so like. But it's so jarring in this movie because it's not part of this yeah. movie. So, like, that's that's actually interesting. Yeah, but, but the rest of it is. But this is, I think, I can't, I can't tell. I'd have to look at it. But this seems to be his first English language movie, mm. and a lot of his earlier stuff seems to be like TV documentary that kind of stuff. So, okay. I uh, yeah, I think he probably is early in his career. It feels like that. It feels the same way as like a lot of the other movies that we've seen where I was like this kind of you can see the potential in it. Mm. I think one of the problems at the moment is the fact that whenever a director, um, especially a male director, has any potential, we tend to like well, Hollywood tends to throw them immediately into the deep end. Mm. Um and it doesn't work. They need more time to like you know, figure out how to structure storytelling. And that you feel that with a lot of that fragmented storytelling in this where the mm. flashbacks don't quite work and you're not quite sure what the time period is. If you look at – I don't know why I'm so obsessed with um, – I'm very into Joss's mm. <laughs> TV at the moment. But if you look at something like um, Out of Gas on Firefly, right, when you've got the different periods and you never get confused about which period things are in, even though, like, it's a lot of jumping because they mm. have different looks and they have different styles. Or even in, like – you know, Moonlight didn't do jumping around, but it presented each of the three sections as like a slightly different style, but all felt like it was of a piece. But this one, just each section is presented in exactly the same style. Mm. And like, so you don't know when you are at different times. Yeah, I am i don't know where, how big a movie this is, given that like six production companies were required just to get the money for it. Yeah, but it's Oscar-based. It is still pretty big. With Natalie um, Portman I also, it. I don't want to like overlook the writer, Noah Oppenheimer, who is known I know who that is. For two other movies, Allegiant and The Maze Runner, yeah. both of which we've got talked about before. Um, I and, remembered that. And he's like a TV producer otherwise. So I, there's a little, a little of both of that. But, yeah, like it's sort of um, – I did remember Noah Oppenheimer's it, name from this, this Maze This movie, like made by someone with a bit more experience, made by a woman ideally. <laughs> well, I mean, it, uh, one thing that I liked about it was it was very much – prioritizing her point of view yeah. and not her as a wife or anything like that but Jackie so that was that was good she wasn't like anyone's it did also sidekick pr- like I said it prioritized her relationships with him and I would have liked to see more of her relationship with her daughter but we saw more of that than her relationship with her son so yeah um yeah I and I mean like I suppose it is hard to get the daughter was a, a good good little actress whereas the, the little boys playing John I mean they are so little so 
I would guarantee you they're also the sons of somebody who was related to the like a, a producer or somebody on the movie. Mm. Their last name was Weinberg to start with. Right. Um, it felt like mm. a kind of a last minute fill in. But if you, even if you didn't give him as much to do, at least giving her more to do would have made it feel more like Jackie had mm. a family. Because there's a moment when she says, oh, he always came back to his beloved family, right? Oh, right. Yes. I forget. You have children. Right. And that, that felt kind of like it did feel like Jackie was – that was a manipulative moment. But at the same time, I would have liked to have seen her either be more distant or more connected so that we got the sense of what kind of lie that was supposed to be, mm. right? Like because we never feel like – you know, it feels like in the moments when she does see them, she's trying to be connected. She tries to take John from Maud at one point when he's crying and look yeah. after him and stuff like that. But there's no, like, sense of exactly what her relationship with her children was like. And again, there's a scene right at the very end where they, like, run around in, at Hyannisport and go down to the beach. Yeah, that's weird because it doesn't feel like it's of a piece with the movie. They don't feel important enough in the movie to have that mm-hmm. and have emotional resonance. That reminded me of um, Shutter Island, actually, of all the weird <laughs> things to remind me of. Because it didn't, like, it felt really, like, creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Not real. But, yeah, it the movie doesn't quite give us enough reason to understand what her family was like. No. All right. Um, we should probably wrap up, I guess. Okay. Uh, what are you going to give it? Three stars. Mm, yeah, I'm three stars as well. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find old episodes or show notes – um, you the costuming was really good on our website. Oh, really good. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we have to mention that because yeah. that was just like the the detail on the outfits and stuff. God, mm. and the hair. God. Uh huh. <laughs> oh, the hair was really good because it was all clearly wigs, but it, it all looked right for the period. Mm. And Jackie's hair, like it was messy. Like the curls didn't match either side and things like that. It was like she'd had you know been wearing it all day kind of thing. The way that her hair cut across her jaw. And like split her face. Mm. The way that it kind of focuses on that a lot of the time was really interesting to me. Like that she's so she it, it kind of um creates this like illusion of a person rather than a mm. real one. And um Jackie's clothes, and this is something I was re- again another article I read about Jackie the other day, just because everyone's obsessed with this, is that all of her clothes, um because I mean she was very, you know, thin and and stuff, but yeah, Natalie clo- Portman looks like a bobblehead doll in this but movie. All, but Jackie's clothes also always hung off her like they were always bigger than her like this she was favored those sort of boxy suits and things with lots of structure and it was like the opposite of figure hugging like her clothes were and it's you see that in the suits that she wears particularly the suit but also like in that um that white jumper that she's wearing for the interview as well it's very structured but it also kind of hangs off her um so yes the costuming is also perfect I'll continue wrapping up sorry that's all right no I I felt like that was a really important thing to mention given that this is a historical When I was talking about – when I was doing the wrap-ups about our website and old episodes, I noticed somebody on iTunes has asked if we ever reviewed Only Lovers Left Alive. Um, of course we did. <laughs> but it is way back in the archives, I think around episode 20. So if you go back on our website, silverscreenqueens.com, you'll probably find it there. Um, if you want to read Katie's review of Jackie, that'll be on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. And uh, if you want to find us on social media, at screen underscore queens on Twitter – uh, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on tumblr and facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens on facebook thank you for listening bye bye